Good morning. The next chapter I'll be reading is called Identity Crisis 101. And it's a very triggering chapter for me. Uh, but I'm going to try to get through it. <laughs> Sorry if I sound negative. I spent the entire evening smoking weed and pleasuring myself. This behavior led me to getting online where I found a guy who wanted to top me, so I invited him over. He made it to my place around 1.45 a.m. We did it without protection, and after he finished, he started talking about his sexual practices, and it became clear that he wasn't as discerning as I thought he was. He boasted about being with all these guys and did not care who he had past sexually transmitted diseases to. I should not have been stricken with guilt every time I wanted to decide to lay down with someone. But the city was full of distrust and unscrupulous debauchery. When the time comes for me to be monogamous, I would be in a better, more secure space to make the commitment because I realize how chasing after sexual gratification is taking up so much of my energy, not to mention eating my wallet with all the condoms, lube, weed, and poppers I have to buy, all in the name of telling myself that I'm a Mac Daddy when it's really about my codependency. The act of filling men's desires serves more of a slot to fill, a slot that confirms my importance and legitimacy. It is always about what is convenient for them and how my resources accommodate that desire. Now that I have pulled my resources back in order to better guard myself, I rarely hear from these men. Not nearly as many men phone me as the year before. In a way, I'm happy I am alone because it shows me what I can tolerate. My, uh, by avoiding certain pains that only serve to arise when I involve myself with dysfunctional people whom I know very little about. I want to keep it this way and not add on unnecessary stress simply because I cannot stand to be alone. I must be okay with sitting in a quiet apartment hearing nothing but the voices in my own mind. What do the voices want to say and how are the voices guiding me? And I'm doing my best to ignore them when they tell me to do things that I know will compromise my health. Here I was, thinking my entire life was about controlling the symptoms of my alcohol and marijuana use, when it was linked to more. Now that I can see myself in a frame that puts more back power back into my court and allows me to heal and grow and change by the affirmations that I tell myself, confirming my self-worth. Sex seems to be the furthest thing on my list, and this is an amazing revelation because it used to be the first on my list. From the time that I got up when I laid my head down, sex was on my mind. I would spend most of my time thinking about it, searching for it, and having it, and recovering from it, leaving me always depleted. I felt I was on the cups of a total transformation by fighting my old demons on a mental level. I was over meeting men and asked myself whether I had deserved this pain, only to come to the realization I was wasting my time with men. How many more lies did I have to tell myself about meeting Mr. Right? Maybe gay people's lives were not meant for the heaviness of soul connections, transcending all boundaries, forming new portals for love by using the same life force that these so-called normal people utilize. Gays, however, are not restricted from the ubiquitous law of attraction. It becomes a more of a matter of energies playing out imposed to any uniquely defined physical characteristics that say a man is a, supposed to be attracted to the opposite sex. What does attraction have to do with sex anyway? 
it is also a well-known fact that bisexuality is real. So is more so is this more of a psychological functioning or the mental process of social conditioning? I will count pre-adolescence out because the brain has not fully developed. But once the human has reached full maturation and mental functioning, what propels their sexual desires? Is it the environment in which we live in? Or are we fixed to live like who we like? It can be broken down to personal preferences as well. Maybe you prefer a more masculine physique or a fleshy excess of that is accumulated on the female archetype. There are all sorts of preferences But do they all spell out a rigid fixity on who we ultimately choose to shag with? Then there are the conditions of family, moral responsibilities, social, political pressures to behave and think in one way. It becomes complicated and I do myself a disservice not to challenge my own predispositions that only serve to bring more heartache than deliverance. If what I'm chasing is immortality, then what would satisfy the biological requirements? But what about my wiring that seems to be more psychologically nurtured? Signaling it could be changed, but is changing who I am a good thing? What is more important to change? Who we are, who we are completely, or balance what I say that I already am, imposed to what society expects me to be? In retrospect, it is right to go against nature, being that... Is it right to go against nature, being that we are highly sophisticated yet complicated beings? One way to test this question is to isolate all the possibilities. How do I know that I will not fall in love with the opposite sex if I never experience with the notion? Is it all extra attraction or desire? Is it all about sexual attraction or desire? Is it possible to be in a relationship that is built on trust? loyalty, respect, and purpose rather than some primitive brute trapping of a sexual partner simply to feel sexually secure. Another way to test this is take a hiatus from sex altogether. Give myself time required to be able to think about my sexual compulsions differently. Not to deny who I am, but to accept who I am is tentative and not as concretely fixed as people assume it to be. I will rest this on the page and try to be open to life. I will accept all possibilities and never limit myself to one train of being. Besides, we do have more letters in the LGBTQ acronym, so that means more people are redefining their sexual identities to how they feel, yet we all want to feel included in the end. I do not know why I I thought happiness involves changing my sexual identity. But it's where my mind gravitates to when I feel that I've reached an impasse with men. I don't want to overgeneralize to why this happens, but it has something to do with drugs, delusions, and abject unhappiness, not to mention being knee-deep in sexual confusion. I don't know which way to go half the time. I needed to keep an open mind about not seeing gay men as these personality sappers. I needed... I am by no means excluded, excluding myself from the, these gay clones. The energy is so paralyzing in the gay community and the gay scene that I can almost prefer being alone over being in the company of someone who I know that I can only go so far with before the limit is reaching. There's nothing.
There's no sex to pursue. I am learning to focus on other things besides sex. And I'm especially learning to have sober sex when I do it. If I can find how to develop sex practices that do not revolve around poppers and weed, and then I will have the energy to do things that truly bring me pleasure. I want to be a good team player and help good God help me. But I'm sabotaging the plan to where God cannot fully operate the way he needs to because I keep doing things my way. I do not know when I will finally lose the urge to stop drinking and smoking. It would be nice if I could go one considerable time, but going a month sober seems to be a struggle. No matter how I camouflage the degree in which I have no control, I will always lessen the extent to which I still suffer. And I could restart taking medications, but then what would do? What would I do when I decide to stop taking the medication? I know this is my mind playing tricks on me again. The fact that I am aware of this is good. I need to keep observing when my actions contradict my values and challenge myself to take it seriously. Why did I refuse to give in to the forces of nature? What was my lack of discipline really saying about my character? Was I liberated or was I still operating as a slave? I did not feel like a slave, so why can I uh, not take the arduous task of staying abstinent? More importantly, why was it so important for me to stay sober? What is the purpose other than health and well-being being compromised? So should my health be enough reason to remain abstinent? Maybe this is how I subconsciously harm myself. I've done a good job at it for 10 years of my drinking life. Maybe I'm afraid of what change will look like. I was getting a glimpse by the men falling out of my life. This shows me that men must be too superficial to engage them as a life pursuit. I thought men were what I needed and that they they would put back into what society took away. But gay men are too self-hating to be proud of their manhoods and they resort to shame talk or relishing over how they give their manhoods up to download men. For me, I need a balance of masculine and female energies to complete my qualities. Yet it seems to point toward an overstimulated libido with little desire to enjoy the longevity of a whole life with a man for the sole purpose of partnership. Do men not value partnerships? Then why do heterosexual men stay with women? Is it for sexual security and the purpose of raising children? Maybe it's about forming patterns and continuing to establish tribal norms that are instinctual for the human organism. Then why don't gay men possess this trait? I cannot answer all for all of men. But I know that I am desperate to be able to speak to another man and it not be premised on sensualistic qualities as the main factor to why we connect. Why can't my engagements be spontaneous and natural? I must constantly ignore the obvious awkwardness in gay men because they will eventually judge me. I see the obstruction in their eyes, that obstruction that relies on a carnal and superficial lens that scans for differences before realizing likeness. I am no saint. I do inject partiality at times but I must but I must because the low energies is so prevalent and so pervasive always threatening to drain my cultivated energy source on one hand my purpose is requiring that I be open to life allowing connections to happen naturally I used to have natural connections with men but it is hard to open in every individual without getting an annoying size up routine it is a matter of being consciously perspective 
perceptive of the things surrounding the encounters that I am having, which enables the learning process. In my former encounters, though I met certain desires, I never comprehended or fully realized my soul's intent with those encounters. I felt I was better at making good connections now that God has sharpened my intuitive functions thanks to those tangential, tangential connections gave me and have taught me that I was looking for contentment outside of myself. I could be guided only by my sexual instincts, influencing the unrest of drives and the misguided direction that it went. But my choices are more calculative now. Now that I am trained myself to fight past my initial feelings of horniness, I can discern my true intent and make choices based on what is urgent to the soul's purpose of those encounters. Considering my interest in the male prototype, it would be foolish not to acknowledge the covenant that stipulates in law that a man should have intercourse with a woman because she is flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. This is illustrated in the parable of Adam and Eve when God made Eve from Adam's rib. Without Eve, Adam would have been like God, who was neither male nor female. I will drive myself crazy trying to understand my biological makeup to the degree of denying that I am a same gender loving man who has always found the male prototype more appealing sexually than a female. It does not mean I am anti-woman, but it means that I do not gravitate towards them. TDGH says God made Adam, but not that he didn't want him to be lonely and alone, so he revealed Adam to Adam, pulling the woman out of him that he likens to resembling God. This completely satisfied all of his needs, and God said this was enough in him. He was male enough to be our father, but female enough to be the breasted one, making Adam in his likeness and his image so he was complete. Adam's response saying, she is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she becomes the feminine part of Adam. To be feminine means having characteristics or, or appropriate to a woman. By this definition, there is nothing truly fixed or absolute with male-female variations. T.D. Jake says it became lawful to have sex with her because when Adam does, he is loving his own body. This is not saying God is suggesting heterosexuality. The union is created to complete Adam since she is the other part of him. Despite God's intent for creating Eve, men have a way at making women feel that they cannot live without them. The circle of life has something to do with this undying need to feel complete. This is usually influenced by the masculine feminine pretext. The opposite attracts pretense says we are always looking for our opposites. I look for the yin energy that is less dominant than me. Feminine qualities ignite in me a desire to be in control, take charge, demanding what I want, and relishing the feeling that I get when a man willingly submits themselves to my will. I have naturally dominant natures, so it's hard for me to be with men that require that I make many adjustments to my nature that I cannot fully submit myself to. Men can seem very honest, available, carefree while the sex is fresh and new. Then after the honeymoon phase, usually after the first few dates, little character defects start to come up and then they forget that they are your human. I have found that gay men have this notion that they can just treat you and take advantage of you how they want. Oh, let me repeat that. 
I have found that gay men have this notion that they can be treated and taken care of just as women because of some implicit privilege that they garner for playing the bottom role. Yes, there are there may be gender rules that each sex assumes, but never is this taken to mean that a both a woman and a bottom deserves the same vestiges. Men cannot be have children and this possesses a problem in gay relationships if raising a family is desired. Despite this seemingly shortcoming, gay men, however, choose to live in secret backroom dungeons. Inside, you find the walls dripping with perspiration, cheeks pressed against stained walls, sweat-drenched foreheads with sedated rectums after he has had his dose of anesthesia that further numbs his abandoned soul. The same eagerness to emerge himself in the mindless raunchiness. The careless contact with doubtful fellows that only seek to use his vessel for the sole purpose of sexual release. He is unconcerned with his aching heart, throbbing in spasmodic pain, lingering like a plowed hole to be soothed. This aching pain is accompanied by the disappointment of lost family ties and constant rejection that becomes more of a lifestyle. The worries melt with the pain seizing his back though he wants to be used in the manner as a woman, using bedazzlement to seduce his victims into submission. I recognize by the need of these men how my own life needed more meaning, more emotional connections, but what is more important, love or freedom? Because it feels like I am trapped not being able to love myself. I become an imposter in my own life, counting the lonely nights, the restless sexual encounters that lead nowhere. This gay lifestyle is a trap and not going in nowhere as it seems. I can't possibly imagine why I allowed myself to be bamboozled into thinking that it would go somewhere. But I don't, what I, what I don't know if I have the will, what I don't know if I have the willpower to deny myself a male partner just to wound up with a woman and have a child condemning my life by putting into a woman what I lack for my life, which is self-love. Can a woman truly create this same happiness when a gay man needs to feel free of guilt and shame of having before lived as a homosexual lifestyle? Yes, I know it is possible to become sexually aroused, but is it the same as being created in the womb for that purpose? When my chromosomes do not lie, how much is authentic to nature imposed to doctrine? I would go good, I would be good to abstain from all forms of sex for a while to some sense can be made of what I am created to be regarding another human being. Was my life put here to focus 80% of my energies on sex? The only way this could suffice the biological process is if I am having sex for sole purpose of reproduction. But my sexual appetites don't desire to accomplish sex for that end. Maybe because I am of my own selfish agenda, and that's probably why my sex life has been unfulfilling. That is why men run away from me, because I am instinctually incapable of attaching emotions to sex. I wonder if time will heal this problem. The longest I have gone without sex was five months. Yet, when I did have it, it was secretive and unfulfilling, doing it within the secrecy of a cement wall blast bunker to avoid detection. I was tired of looking for the next conquest, new story to tell, new disappointment and expectations flushing down the toilet. I was tired of forming concepts around building a relationship that only suffice as antidotes to all the dysfunctions of an addict addicted to sex. Sex was my vice and I needed time from 
free from sex, drugs, and alcohol. Pastor Desiree Elders at First Corinthians Baptist Church says, going through a metamorphosis is like going from being our lesser selves to transforming into our full maturation, where we emerge as a butterfly. She calls it Mega Day. First, the caterpillar must digest its digest, digest itself, releasing releasing enzymes to dissolve all its tissues. Once the caterpillar has disintegrated all its tissues, it then uses the protein-rich soup all around them to fuel the cell division required to form wings, legs, egg, eyes, genitalia, etc. Excuse me, I just need water. Like the caterpillar, I was going through a metamorphosis to emerge as a butterfly. This required that my willpower this required this required my willpower as fuel to resist digression back into the caterpillar state, thus my lower self. I had been slowing this process down by ignoring my sexual health. Gay men have developed this annoying, detached, and secretive alter lifestyle where they are aloof and nonchalant with one another without feeling obligated to the other so questions concerning the other person's health and sexual practices are not asked and there's usually a don't ask don't tell policy when it comes to the exchange of names hiv statuses or sexual identity as most men live double lives being with men then going out and deceiving women the practice is strictly sexual and you know what i am tired of having this contradiction constantly going against my deepest desires only to go along with the program that don't even serve me anymore no more i align with the source the less sense all of this madness makes it is easier to be alone because i am used to it but now it is obvious my past is literally fading right before my eyes and i feel a bit insecure about the future i know that i cannot do it the same way as before but i do not know a new way to live People always say, change your environment. Go out and find people who are like-minded. But that is easier said than done in a doggy-dog world where you have to pay to play almost anywhere. Unless I'm cruising natural parks and I'm no recreational hole. When all the gays are either in bars or clubs, a place I can no longer go with the same mindset, I must be aware of everything that I do to those, in those places. And I cannot simply give my power away to some fantasy life simply because I don't want to go home alone. I try to envision that a great intelligent man is out there. Someone non-judgmental and accepts me for the quirkball that I am. I do not want to be in no one's box. I do not want to be top or bottom, black or African, feminine or masculine, smart or benighted. Poor or rich, I know I need a label to define me. And with this newfound power comes the much anticipated dread of isolation from the gay community because they want you to be fake in New York and that's not me. Though gay men claim to be open-minded and more liberated than straight people, they allow their own self-hatred to re-establish rigid ideas of behavior that is more analog as of heteronormative stereotypes that don't benefit us because we operate on different sets of rules and codes that are conducive to our own fragmented identities. When we try to conform to the norm, it confuses our sensibilities and obscures the freedom required to be our unique individual selves. I was determined not to lose myself again for the sake of having a few friends. 
I've come a long way to climb out of the pit I have been in, and I was beginning to see the truth, and I know I didn't have to be defined by my gender, sexuality, race, affiliation to any organization, denomination, tribe, or clique. There are a wide range of expressions of being gay, or should I say same gender loving, and they do not only come in the form of Boy George, Richard Simmons, or RuPaul. I admit, I did have sexual insecurities that are rooted in my family and cultural dynamic and a lack of love I feel I never got from my parents and community. Now that I'm a bit healthier and more comfortable with myself, I can appreciate that I am one of a kind. I did not need to compensate for having psychic insufficiency or a lack of male power. Those insecurities stemmed from my own trauma of being objectified, commodified, and taken for granted for so long by men that I started to feel unworthy and worthless. But my self-consciousness was nothing to do with my attraction. Why should I have to feel self-conscious if I can't change it? It would be my choice if I accept this behavior. As for my relationships, there must be a level of regard for my station in humanity. I am finally at a place where I can keep to myself and this has me thinking of mindset of monogamy and being consistent with one person. Having control over my urge to drink plays a major role in this and has allowed me to channel stress better so I am not compulsively chasing sex. It seems pointless to use sex as a main object, objective. I can now appreciate the beauty and omniscience of life itself, even when I know that life is messed up and gay men are all delusional, yet I can look between the cracks and find joy in the small crevices of the daily grain of life. I realize God, I realize people are what they are and will be as perfect as they are going to be, so I needed to make the best of what I have and live with faith. Peter Livbach, in quotes in George Washington, in the book Sacred Fire, the hand of providence has been conspicuous in all this, that he must be worse than an infidel that lacks faith and more than wicked that has not gratitude to acknowledge his obligation. I had an obligation to maintain my dignity and I was grateful God gave it to its rightful owner. And that is the end of that chapter. Guys, this was triggering for me because here I am trying to remain abstinent from meaningless sex and this is frustrating because I'm so used to that gratification and it's been very reliable for a person like me who needs to escape from a seemingly unbearable lifestyle of doom and gloom and isolation and now that I don't have that in my circle anymore I'm looking for new ways to resort to to feel good and instill value into myself that isn't revolved around gay people so this is triggering for me uh, I can feel my a lot of um, frustration and impatience with God when it comes to my love life why did you create me and my psychology this way if you now you know subject me to a life of rejection and never feeling like I can fit in and belong biologically and psychosexually in any type of community with another human being.
So I'm waiting patiently and focusing on my writing and focusing on things that I, other things that I love to do. But I'm a human being and I still have desires, but I love myself enough not to resort to uh, engaging in hookup sex. And it's very hard. It's very hard. It's hard. This is one of the hardest lessons I've ever had to learn about myself is being able to separate my sexual compulsions from my sexual identity. Guys, pray for me because I'm very weak in this area. I know that I'm weak. I need help. I don't have a group that I can go to that's self-affirming here. I don't have a circle, a social circle or a network of people who are life-sustaining. It's just a space that I'm in right now in my life. And I have to just bear with this until I find a, a sense of normalcy. But this is the end of this uh, part one. I have four parts in my book. Part one is dealing mostly with my past. And now that I've pretty much brought out everything that is going on with me in terms of my family and my sexuality and my relationship with God and all of my addictions, now I'm going to move forward. I'm going to go deeper. So I hope you guys are ready to go deeper with me because this is about to get real. And I'm about to show you the power of God, the power of God's anointing on my life and what he's got me through throughout the remainder of the two years of these psychic impressions that I have. Stay tuned, guys. Keep listening. Um, yeah. So, um, so moving forward, I will be beginning part two of the memoir, The War Within. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next segment. Goodbye.